When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Can you feel it? Spring has nearly sprung. The blossoms are budding. The sounds of pitchers and catchers and full squad workouts are upon us. And Around the Nest is back for 2024. Tyler Zickel joined by Pat Malacaro from AAA Buffalo. What a day and an abbreviated edition of Around the Nest as we kick off the dust. We kind of shake ourselves loose. We've been staring out the window waiting for spring all winter long. And here we go. It's the non-roster invite edition of Around the Nest. Pat, good day. Happy Friday. It's February 23rd as we talk today. Can you feel it? Spring is nearly here. Yeah. And honestly, here in Western New York, Tyler, it's been almost spring-like weather we would sign up today, I think, for the forecast we're getting in Buffalo the next week. We're going to have 40s, 50s, and 60s at the end of February, beginning of March. So the season opens March 29th. It's just over a month away as we record this. So it's not like as if it's it's off in the distance so that, that far out. But if, if you had told me we're going to get 60 degrees at the end of February, I'm going to, I would hope that we're going to get something close in just over a month from now. I'm celebrating my 10th anniversary of my minor league career here in 2024. This time of year is always an exciting time, a stressful time for those of us in minor league baseball front offices. I saw something the other day, Pat, that you tweeted, a terrific picture of you as a bat boy for the Bison. So what minor league season would this be here in 2024 for you? Yeah, I think this is season 21, if I if I remember correctly, and they're non-consecutive years, too. So, you know, I, as you mentioned, I was a bat boy from 1999 to 2002. Um, those are my four years of high school. Interned with the team for a couple of years, adding three years in Batavia with the Muck Dogs as well. So overall, it's over 20 years of experience. And it, whether it was getting ready and coming into the clubhouse in uh, meeting the clubhouse manager to get things ready for the beginning of the season when I was a bat boy or to now where, uh, you know, you and I are going to discuss players that'll be in the media guide and players we expect to be in Buffalo or Vancouver, make that jump to New Hampshire this year. It's always an exciting time of year. And it always seems like it comes too early because, you know, we plan for so long and then it just, it, it's all here in a, in, a, in a blink, but you know, March 29th, I mentioned that's when the season opens this year. So that's not going to change anytime soon. Last year, the Bisons played on March 31st. This year with the leap year, it's the 29th. So March baseball is here to stay in AAA, at least uh, with the way the schedule and and the way that uh, the 40-man the rosters work. The same way late September baseball is, is here through uh, for, for the foreseeable future, too. So it's going to be a fun season, and, and I'm hoping that we can have some of the success maybe that you guys experienced out West last year.
Indeed, it was certainly great to be able to hoist that Northwest League banner September 16th, 2023. That's etched in my memory for all time and certainly a terrific season-long celebration for Brent LaValle's bunch in high A. And from what Brent was saying after we clinched, he said New Hampshire is going to be stacked in 2024. And of course, it's the trickle-up effect, if you will, in this business because that talent is coming to Buffalo as well. Before we dive in, Pat, and get into the nitty-gritty of what we're going to talk about today, specifically going into to the guys you and I have had a chance to see who got those invitations as non-roster invitees, if you will, to spring training. This season for the Blue Jays at the top of the organization, and of course, talking about trickles, we're trickling down now, going from the big leagues all the way to Low A and Dunedin in terms of full season clubs. This is a big year for this entire organization. We saw Bo Bichette make some comments just the other day about how now this is a team that has something to prove again. Of course, expectations were super high last year and the year prior. Uh, we talk I've, have talked a lot, in fact, about the up and down nature of the way things had kind of been going in the big leagues last year. Enough ink has been spilled and hot air has been blown about what happened in that game against Minnesota. That is all last year. And it seems like the focus now from the top down is really going to be on making a huge statement this year and really putting up or shutting up. Yeah, and it's these are players that have been together now for several seasons. You go back to really the core of this team has been together since Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, you know, Kevin Biggio. They debuted in the big leagues in 2019. You go into 2020, you clinch a wild card spot after that condensed season, and, and you really think things are starting to go your way and you're on an upward trajectory. So I think for the Blue Jays, it's not just and we know this, not just getting to the postseason is the goal. Not just winning a couple of playoff games is the goal. It's, you know, Baltimore is at the top of the heap in terms of the AL East. How do you get to where they are in terms of wins and losses and winning a round in the playoffs, making a significant run in the postseason? I think you and I can both agree. The starting pitching for this Blue Jay team is still going to be uh, a, a key and a catalyst to their success. Can you expect the same from Yusei Kikuchi? I hope so. He pitched very well last year. And when you have starters like that, in addition to the guys at the top end of your rotation, like Kevin Gosman, who can pitch in terms of you know being in the AL Cy Young conversation uh, quite frequently, you've got really good starting pitching. And I also look at the, the bullpen. Someone like Nate Pearson, who now is out of options, but I think has really grown into that role as a reliever last year. And just seeing him here at AAA and seeing him in the big leagues, I don't know that the numbers necessarily indicate how good he was in terms of regular work in the bullpen. Sometimes those numbers get inflated uh, when you have one rough outing and you're a reliever pitching one inning every couple of days. I think Nate Pearson is such a key to that bullpen and somebody we've both seen uh, grow into now a full-time reliever and buying into that role. So the pitching staff, I think, is going to be uh, another strength of this team again this year. And then when you look at the offense, who doesn't expect a bounce back here from Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? And looking at his physicality coming into this spring, and of course, Alec Manoa, another guy who's looking especially svelte. But of course, we all turn into you know body composition experts this time of year. Everybody shows up to spring training talking about, I'm in the best shape of my life. And we can see that with two guys who are certainly going to be at the center of any Blue Jays success this year. Now, guys who might be on the periphery of that success, Pat, but certainly crucial parts of what this organization is trying to do is the reason you and I are here today talking a little 
little talk about these non-roster invitees. So let's jump right into it. And to start us off, let's just go over just for our listeners to be reminded about who is getting that non-roster invite. And if you can actually elaborate, because some of my spring training parlance is still uh, in the makings as much as I've been in this business for a decade now, talking about what a non-roster invitee actually is. But those names, I'll just read off the list thanks to that Blue Jays tweet from February 5th. Andrew Bash, Zach Britton, Jimmy Burnett, Phil Clark, Connor Cook, Chad Dallas, Luis De Los Santos, Cam Eden, Brandon Isert, Mason Fluharty, Devro Harrison, Ryan Jennings, Hayden Yinger, Damiano Palmiciani, Will Robertson, Alan Roden, Brian Servan, Andre Sosa, and of course, Ricky Tiedemann. So a great list and some guys who may very well be making a major league impact sooner rather than later. But uh, just off the jump, Pat, if you can educate me, if possible, and sorry to put you on the spot here without telling you, but can you explain a little bit based on your knowledge about what exactly a non-roster invitee may be? Yeah, and it's really changed, at least in terms of what I think of a non-roster invitee over the last handful of years, thanks to the CBA and kind of the rules around spring training. And for the most part, these are guys that are expected to be minor league players this year. They're they're not necessarily on the 40-man roster. Some are, some aren't. Um, and they're going to get experience at the major league camp. So they're taking part in the big league camp right now. They're they're helping round out the, the major league roster, so to speak, of spring training. They'll be the ones you see uh, – in game action, maybe in relief of, of a Kevin Kiermeyer in the outfielder, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at first base. You know, they may see regular action, but these are guys that just want to get a, a bigger look uh, from the from the big league side of things. And maybe in the case of someone like Andrew Bash, you know, exceeded expectations last year in what he did at Double A, and then coming back up and down to Triple A at times as well. That's sometimes it's just an opportunity to reward a player who had a successful year the previous year or just give them a look because that's one thing that, uh, you know, in spring training, sometimes that's all a guy needs is to to kind of get a, get a taste of what it's like to face maybe a big league hitter or a big league pitcher and then take what they've learned from that and apply it into the minor league side of things uh, with the great coaching staffs we have uh, throughout the organization. So uh, just on a basic level, it just gives guys opportunities to go to the major league side of camp and really get an opportunity to showcase their skills and learn some things as they get ready for the minor league side. Well, let's get right to it. We split this up based on guys you and I have seen. Lots of these guys on this list have made it up to AAA. Others are knocking on the door, and we're very likely uh, be representing the Bisons here in 2024. But you already said his name. Let's start with Andrew Bash, certainly a guy who maybe was not anticipated to make the rise that he's made. Certainly has had a few bumps along the way since we saw him in Vancouver back in 2021, but certainly somebody who has earned this invitation. He has, and somebody who was signed as a free agent. He was drafted originally by the Angels organization, uh, bounced around a little bit, signed with the Blue Jays, and he's now appeared at AAA for two straight years. And in 2022, it was more of just a spot role, a couple of opportunities to, to appear for the Bisons, really at the beginning of the season, then spent the majority of the year in New Hampshire. To me, when you look back at the final couple of months of last season, when the Bisons really made a push, when they were in first place at one point in the second half, and that's something to remember here at AAA, there's, it's the split season now, just like it was in 2023, first half, second half. When the Bisons in the second half were making their charge to try and make the playoffs, Andrew Bash was a steady every fifth day starter for this Bison team. Wasn't blowing guys away. Doesn't throw 97-98, but it's that movement on his pitches, the control, the consistency. And I think one thing here at AAA, you saw whether it was a pitcher or a hitter, 
the, those that were able to adapt to the automated ball strike, the ABS strike zone, really succeeded uh, better than those that struggled to find command of the finite strike zone. I think that's one thing that Andrew Bash did really well is he found a way to use that finite strike zone and use it to his advantage. Pitching in the zone, but then knowing when to go outside of the zone and get hitters to chase. If Even if you don't have a, a, a plus 90s fastball, maybe you've got a wipeout breaking ball that you can mix in there or, or a sinking fastball that you can mix in there, one of those heavy fastballs. So I think that's what Andrew Bash did really well last year. And he succeeded here at AAA. And he was really, he and Mitch White, uh, and I know that's a name familiar to Blue Jay fans with the trade a couple of years ago with the Dodgers. Those two pitchers uh, really were the most consistent over the final six to eight weeks of last season. And again, Bash is being rewarded for being one of those guys that, whether it had been in, in, in the fall league before uh, or in, and show, showed well there, he finished last year very strong. And, and now I think trying, trying to parlay some of, you can't really take what you, what you finished in September with and, and bring it all the way here to March, but continue to refine those skills that made him such a valuable key of what was a buys in really three-man rotation. On the flip side of that, a guy next on the list, if we keep it alphabetical, is Zach Britton, an interesting case study in a catcher-turned-outfielder who is still listed as a catcher on the Blue Jays graphic, yet on his player page, he's a left fielder. He made a funny tweet out about what he, in fact he was a catcher when minor league baseball said he was an outfielder. He had a walk-off hit with the Canadians. So Zach has certainly made some ripples, more so off the field than on, but when he's been on the field, albeit injured a lot, especially only playing in 17 games in 2023, a guy who certainly is able to have that chutzpah to come up in a big spot, get a big hit, had a number of walk-off knocks for the Canadians in 2022, but we just didn't get a chance to see him in 2023. He only hit 218 in a total of 55 at bats, so you call 2023 a wash, and I think Zach is certainly a guy who may start in double-A, depending on how this spring goes, but if he gets those chances in the in big league camp, continues that momentum, if you will, he may break camp with the Bisons, and certainly somebody, Pat, you may have a chance to get to know a little bit better. How about Jimmy Brunette? This is an exciting guy who certainly, we were spoiled with over the course of two seasons, albeit for a splash at the beginning of last year. And certainly he's making a rampant rise through the system when you can throw as hard as he can throw uh, from the left side, certainly a fun guy to watch. Yeah. And I think when we talk about Andrew Bash being somebody that was consistent over the final month of last season, if you just look at the numbers for Jimmy Burnett, uh, they're not eye popping since joining the Bisons uh, midway through the year. But when you look at his final couple of appearances, he put it together. And for Jimmy Burnett, I think it was trying to find a command of, of his stuff, quite frankly, last year. And this is, I think, a trend we're starting to see. Uh, this is, you know, whether it, it's him or other pitchers, Hayden Yinger, who we'll get to in a couple of minutes. He was drafted in 2021, an 18th round pick uh, that year out of St. Leo uh, down in Florida. Used to be, you know, take take a couple of years, get get acclimated to minor league life and then get to AAA. Well, now you're talking about a guy who just over two years ago from being drafted was thrust into pitching at the AAA level where, you know, hitters are more selective, more refined at times and add in the fact uh, of the automatic ball strike and, and challenge system this year. And I think Jimmy Burnett really was finding his way over the first couple of appearances, first couple of months with his time with the Bisons. But yeah, he was the pitcher of record, actually, in the Bisons' final win of the year. He picked up his second victory in the final game of the season against Norfolk and really pitched his best and came off a couple of injuries at times and 
They just really needed to get right and, and, and needed to just have take a breath every once in a while. And for Jimmy Burnett, that was a really valuable thing for him to do last year. And I think when you look at, you can never have enough left-handed pitching in your organization. If you have, if you're able to get Jimmy Burnett to a spot where he is consistently one of your late inning relievers for the Bisons this year, I think you're, you're in a pretty good place. A sixth, seventh, eighth inning guy that can just with that wipeout slider at times, just absolutely devastate hitters and get them to chase. Um, he'll, he'll be very effective because I think that was the biggest adjustment was maybe at the lower levels, you're going to get the swing and misses uh, on pitches outside of the zone. Um, you know, more bigger gaps outside the zone. And once you got to AAA, and even though I think the veteran talent has been diminished a little bit in terms of it's a lot more prospect-heavy AAA baseball and younger players, you're still seeing players that ha- have a better approach at the plate. And that was one thing that Jimmy Burnett figured out a- as the season went along last year. As we might guess, Lots of pitchers and catchers, specifically pitchers, getting these invitations. And a catcher, Phil Clark, is the next guy I want to briefly touch on. Somebody who is batting a cool 1,000 in Buffalo in his career in his one at-bat. He's got one hit, but he was named an organizational all-star by minor league baseball last year. And even though the system is relatively thin on high-profile catching talent, I think Phil Clark, who's a Vandy boy, of course, they're breeding future major leaguers there in Nashville last season, mostly with AA New Hampshire and leading all of minor league Blue Jays catchers and homers and then was second in OPS and weighted runs created plus. So good things to see from Phil Clark. Uh, leadership, certainly, that I got to witness in person in 2021. He was on the injured list a couple of times last year. So a healthy 2024 certainly could make a huge impact on Phil Clark's trajectory. And hey, have those tools of ignorance and will travel. Catching, catching, catching is certainly an important resource for any major league franchise. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Connor Cook and then Chad Dallas. A little bit about Connor Cook, the pride of Sulphur, Louisiana, pitched at three levels in the Blue Jays minor league system last year. And certainly you got to see him for nine appearances in Buffalo. And one thing I didn't know until spring training this year when the Blue Jays were uh, talking to the players on their way in uh, in the mornings that Connor Cook apparently can uh, dunk a basketball. Uh, he's not the most overly, uh, height wise size guy. Um, you know, maybe think back to Ty Tice in the organization, a little bit smaller than, than Connor cook, but you know, Connor cook is another one of these guys that, and I was talking to Sam Dykstra from, from MLB pipeline about, uh, just the pitching depth in the organization. And there really seems like there's been an emphasis, Sam pointed out on the, the, the wipeout slider, the breaking ball, and, and whether it's someone like Connor Cook, whether it's Ricky Tiedemann, you see a, a lot of high spin rates, a lot of lot of movement uh, on the plane uh, of the pitch. And you know, for Connor Cook, I think he's somebody. He joined the Bisons at the beginning of August, right with Phil Clark, and there were a couple of injuries. Players promoted to the big leagues, but Cook went on the injured list uh, right away, um, doing, doing with a little bit of a nagging issue, and. Finally got back in a game action in late August. And you're right. You know, those nine appearances with the Bisons were very good. And uh, guys like he and Troy Watson really gave uh, the Bison fans something to kind of look for in 2024. And when you look back to, you know, the guys the previous year who got a little bit of AAA experience at the end of the season and then parlayed that into a successful winner, realized what they needed to do to be AAA pitchers or, or hitters in terms of taking that next step in their organizational development. I think Connor Cook is one of those guys this year that we're going to look at and say those nine appearances last year with the success that he had and the stuff played here at AAA. And that was really, you know, the, the, 
the scouting report on Connor Cook was the stuff played at all the other levels. And, you know, once he gets to AAA, it, it will as well. It, it did quite well for him last year. And I think he'll be, we talk about Jimmy Burnett from the left side. I think Connor Cook from, from the right side is another one of those bullpen arms for the Bisons this year. That's going to be uh, very solid. And I think that's one or spot of organization, organizational depth right now. When you look at the pitching staff is maybe in terms of starting pitching here in Buffalo, it'd be more veteran heavy. Expect somebody like Wes Parsons, who who got a, a chance to go back to the big leagues at the end of last season, was rewarded for his nine win year with the Bisons last year. Expect some starters like that in or Paulo Espino, who was signed as a uh, minor leaguer and in in an invite to spring training this year. We talk about non-roster invitees, um, somebody who's going to get a chance in the big leagues. I think that's where the starting pitching is this year. And then when you add in the the young organizational depth out of the bullpen, Connor Cook is right at the top of that list. A guy that I am jealous of you, Pat to get to see this year is the next guy we'll briefly talk about, which is Chad Dallas. They call him cheese. And certainly uh, he has been a treat for the two seasons that we got to see him. He made five starts with the Canadians in 2023, two and with a 2.03 ERA over 26 and two thirds innings. But for me, the 146 opponents average against, and then 37 strikeouts to 12 walks before he got that promotion to double a New Hampshire certainly was indicative of the improvements he made between his first season as a pro in 2021, where he made his pro debut with five, no hit innings against tri city. That's the angels affiliate in the Northwest league. And then things just kind of went left for him and he had a a kind of up and down mostly down 2022 and then returned to the canadians for those first five starts and then rocketed to new hampshire made 18 starts mr reliable for the fisher cats and cesar martin seven and three a 4.10 era in a pretty good hitters league in the Eastern league. And most importantly, he logged just shy of a hundred innings opponents hit 234 and still managed to limit those walks. In fact, 107 strikeouts to 37 walks. And if my memory of reading the athletics, 2024 blue Jays, top 20 prospects, I think that's Keith law, maybe Jim Bowden. I'm not entirely sure. However, they're saying that he did an impressive job changing the narrative around his command and control and amongst Blue Jays minor league leaders in strikeouts. So enjoy cheese this year, Pat, because Chad Dallas is certainly going to be a headline rotation type guy. Yeah. And we talk about the the young or the, the veteran starting pitching. And then you had somebody like Chad Dallas in who can learn from some of those veterans, like a Wes Parsons, as he's going through his starts every five days, those strikeouts to walks is the eye popping number right there to me. And you're right, you know, to come back last year with, with 107, as opposed to 37 walks after, uh, you know, starting the year with Vancouver and getting, getting a couple of wins with the team. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him, potentially debut with the Bison sooner rather than later here this year and just seeing how his stuff plays out. And, um, you know, there are going to be a couple of young starters in this rotation for Buffalo this year. So whether it's Chad Dallas, whether we see Ricky Tiedemann for short period, long period, however, uh, the Blue Jays decide to continue both of their organizational growth uh, in, in terms of the starting rotation. I think Chad Dallas will be somebody, the Bison fans, you watch the radar gun first, and then you, you just, you you watch him ring, ring up those swings and misses. There are only two infielders who we're talking about today. The first of them is Luis de los Santos. Where does Luis fit in, in terms of potential infield projections in what is certainly, it seems even without Matt Chapman, uh, whether he gets re-signed or not, it seems like the infield is pretty set uh, at the big league level right now. 
Yeah, for for Luis, it was really he's a really good utility guy, and you know, really here at Buffalo, you look this year what what potentially could set up for at first base with Damiano Palmagiani, Spencer Horowitz combining to play first base. Then you've got Leo Jimenez and Aravis Martinez up the middle in some capacity. Probably, you know, Leo really played shortstop for the almost every game that he uh, played for Buffalo at the end of last season. And then you've got third base, uh, you know, and I haven't talked about David Schneider yet, who, uh, you know, play, played so well for the Blue Jays in his couple of stints up there last year. And, you know, there's there's opportunities there. Where, where does all, all that shake out? So I think for De Los Santos, continuing to get reps all over the dime, whether it's on the info, whether it's the outfield. Rafael Antigua was the Bison's really unsung hero last year in terms of a player uh, maybe like De Los Santos. You don't necessarily put him on the radar, so to speak, and I don't mean that as a knock against either of those players at all. It's just, you know, they're not necessarily drafted by the organization. They don't, they're not flashy, but they go out and do uh, everything well. And for De Los Santos, who I talk about flash, uh, hit a couple of grand slams for the Bisons last year and actually hit what was a pinch hit walk-off extra inning grand slam uh, against Worcester uh, at the beginning of July last year, something the Bisons hadn't had uh, in seven seasons, uh, especially um, for, from a, an extra innings perspective. So for De Los Santos, the power was there last year, that the power numbers, if, if he can continue to slug the way he did last year, I think you find a spot for, for that player in your lineup. Um, but yeah, he's somebody, I think you can see him all over the diamond for the Bisons and really third base is probably his, his, strong suit, uh, where you could probably find him the most, uh, you, you go back to last year, you know, ends up with seven home runs in, in 65 games with, with Buffalo and the batting average might not be, be where you want it. But I think with another year under his belt, uh, De Los Santos really could be, uh, you know, a, a middle to bottom of the third batting order guy. That's just consistent and getting on base for the top of the order to drive him in. We know where this next guy slots in. Mr. Cam Eden, certainly a terrific bounce back season in terms of health in 2023 and some history making as well for the pride of Yuba City, California, a guy that I really loved getting to know both on the field and off. Certainly somebody that I'm rooting for and got that well-deserved big league call up in September last year. 53 steals is a modern era record for the Bisons and instantly put him in the top 10 in terms of career stolen bases, uh, you know, just based on, you know, the longevity of a triple a career for the most part, but yeah, those 53 steals last year and somebody who comes from an athletic family, as you know, his father played, uh, college basketball, his brother is, is a very good athlete as well. You know, he comes from an athletic family that just really is, uh, you know, knows how to play the game, no matter what sport they're in. So I think for Cam Eden, it's a, it's a matter of not only being very good athletically, but he has a very good baseball IQ in terms of being able to read pitchers, knows how to get a little bit extra on his secondary lead, takes advantage of these new pitch clock rules where he can only throw over twice, where the bases are bigger now. And that that creates less station-to-station -station room for for the the pitcher to kind of get you on so or the or the or the catcher to, to to nab you on so i think for cameron eden it was using all the the rules to his advantage and having those just smooth effortless strides where it almost looks like he's it does he doesn't even have to try and again that's not a backhanded compliment he's just so good and with his with his movements and his stride that he, he makes it look so easy in the outfield that almost anyone could do it but then you look back and say no there, there's half the guys uh, on uh, you know out there that that can't move the way he does or get to a ball 
that that he gets to. And I think for for Cam, whether it's stealing a base or in center field, covering so much ground that he does, you know, certainly a well deserved promotion. And you know, how often do you see guys that have really good speed be so such a valuable commodity when you get to September, when you get to October and you need a stolen base or a guy that can score from second uh, in, in a tight spot in a game. Cameron Eden's that guy. I think we'll be seeing Cam Eden in some of those big spots in 2024. Keeping the fingers crossed. I know I'm rooting for Cam. I want to package these next three guys together. Mason Fluharty, TJ Brock, and Brandon Isard. Brock and Fluharty, two guys who are similar, hard-throwing, righty for Brock out of Ohio State, lefty, uh, Mason Fluharty out of Liberty. He was terrific for the Canadians uh, when he made his pro debut in 2022. Then 15 and a third innings in high A last year, he allowed all of one earned run on seven hits. That's an 0.59 ERA. Got promoted to Double A New Hampshire. Got hit around a little bit in the upper minors. TJ Brock, a similar scenario. And then you've got a guy like Brandon Isert, who you've seen a lot of there in Triple A, Pat who is not necessarily someone who is going to blow you away, but mixing pitches, and he's got some dastardly secondary stuff that really makes him effective. He's almost the silent assassin, I want to say. And, and somebody who, he, he just, he's very quiet, goes about his business. He's very, maybe keeps to himself for the for, for most part. But for Brandon Isert, again, we talked about setting records last year. He set the Bison's modern era record for most appearances in a single season uh, because it seemed like every day, Brandon Eisert was getting loose in the bullpen, never shying away from taking the baseball. And when his number was called, he was in the game and pitching well for the team. And uh, again, somebody who is maybe you know drafted a, a little bit uh, before the likes of Hayden Yinger and Connor Cook, but still because of that missed season in 2020, came up through the organization pretty quickly um, and, and found his way to AAA in 2022. Uh, and, and pitch well the, the entire year. So this could be potentially year three for Brandon Eisert here. And I think somebody who just knows how to, how to pitch as, as a lefty doesn't throw, knows how to pitch. And I think that's the biggest compliment I could pay to him and somebody that um, really you know, he and, and Stevie Berman. So um, Stevie Berman was uh, uh, the Bison backstop for uh, almost a year and a half, had injuries uh, a lot last year, but he and Brandon Eisert were really good friends. And you saw the camaraderie between those two and, and we talk about the catching depth now, potentially with the likes of Phil Clark coming up to AAA this year. And really last year was, I think, a year of transition in the catching position with the veterans that were around, whether it was Tyler Heineman, Stevie Berman, Rob Brantley at times, um, Max McDowell, who joined the Bisons the end of last year, should be here this year. I'm looking interested to see the how the, the the relationship between the the pitchers and the catchers with some of those younger players coming up through the organization together kind of builds that rapport and builds on the rapport they've built at the at the lower levels of the minors and I think that can only make uh, the pitchers like you mentioned like a TJ Brock like a Flu Hardy that much stronger when they make their way here to AAA and you know even if you get hit around a little bit you, you know that you're in tandem with your catcher. It makes it a lot easier and you're able to bounce back that much easier. There's really only one guy on this list who I anticipate seeing in Vancouver for a splash to start 2024. That's Ryan Jennings, starting pitcher. In fact, he was on the mound to start game four of the Northwest League Championship Series, struck out the side to set the tone in the first, and that was his first career outing at the Nat in Vancouver. So we'll probably see him for the month of April. Uh, he's a guy who mi mixes his pitches quite well. He's got that competitive dog-with-a-bone type mentality, as does another guy, Devereaux Harrison, who came out of nowhere last year, started in the 
the bullpen, was called upon to be a starter because the Canadians were on a two-week road trip and needed somebody to make a start. He went out and went nearly five no-hit innings and later authored the first uh, combined no-hitter or first no-hitter of any type for the Canadians this millennium, along with Matt Sponson, who was traded, of course, uh, to the Cardinals at the deadline. But Devereaux Harrison became the Canadians' pitcher of the year for 2023. He's an exciting guy who's going to make some noise at the upper minors, but a guy that I think this year may be the year, Pat, and a guy you've already alluded to, Hayden Yinger. Yeah, and for Hayden Yinger, I, I'll I'll say a similar thing to like Jimmy Burnett. Then don't let the numbers fool you. For for Hayden Yinger, he got hit around a little last year, and there he was the first to admit it. There there were times where he made his pitch, but the batter hit it. But he was okay making his pitch there, and I think that's for Hayden Yinger the biggest thing. This will be year three, really a year and a half at AAA second half of 22, all of last year with the Bisons. And it's that mental toughness to know that I made my pitch, but the hitter just got the better of me this time. I know I can make my pitch. And I think for Hayden Yinger, that's that's the biggest compliment I could pay to him. Somebody who flashed into the scene, you know, made a big splash with the Bisons at the end of 2022 and became really, um, you know, an ace of the bullpen uh, that year with, with his three wins. And somebody was a starter, but it was that bulk relief role where he would go for a couple of innings and then, you know, someone would take over in double A, did a little bit of that with the Bisons last year as well, made five starts, won five games. You know, the ERA sits in the low sixes. That's what I mean. Don't let the numbers kind of dictate your expectations for Hayden Yinger. I think his slider, his his breaking stuff was very good. His fastball played really well last year. It was just a case of Sometimes it got hit and early in the season when it's tougher on pitchers to to pitch, especially here in the Northeast, um, that that really played into when you tell the tale of Hayden Yinger's season, that's a part of it. As we wrap this up here, Pat, and these t- this time always flies, especially when you're on the free Zoom plan, when we don't have our intrepid producer, Leo, uh, doing his thing, helping us out on the background. When you got the talent also doing the technical stuff, sometimes things get a little uh, wonky, if you will. But I want to talk about what I think are the three guys who may have the most at stake in a good way for this spring. Damiano Pomagiani. Alan Roden, who played his way onto everybody's radar last year, and we got to watch him in person in Vancouver, which for me is an all-time treat, one of my favorite players I've ever watched, and of course, Ricky Tiedemann. So as we talk about Alan Roden, that's a guy you're almost certainly going to see right off the bat this year, uh, as professional of a hitter as you can be coming out of college, and certainly a guy who goes about his business like he's already in the major leagues. He's relatively quiet. He's kind of got that Brandon Iser quiet assassin mentality to him, but if you need a guy to get on base if you need a guy to hit it to the gap if you need a guy to slug one from the left side he is strong he is well built not only is he terrific at the dish but also he's a great outfielder and somebody who has played his way into top five or well certainly top 10 but maybe even top five prospect status and if that continues look out uh, a guy going from Creighton Blue Jays one word to Toronto Blue Jays two words so looking forward to you getting a chance to see Alan Roden but let's talk Damiano Palmagiani and Ricky Tiedemann probably the two minor leaguers who are the most uh, exciting to watch in terms of who's going to be in spring and who could make a big league contribution. I'll start with Damiano Palmagiani and somebody who really didn't expect from his own perspective to play much first base at AAA. And that's almost exclusively what he played here with the Bisons in his about a month or so uh, of AAA experience last year, uh, going back to, to memory serving me. And he played well there. I think it'll be a tandem between Palmagiani and Spencer Horwitz at first base. 
and and a guy that can have power from the right side, uh, something that will play well here at AAA. Look, what a great story he is. Family moved to Canada as a kid, became a Blue Jays fan. Um, you know, it's just it's a great story, and and for him to be in the organization, a step away from being in the big leagues, I think you know he, he's ready to make that next step. And another one of those players, you know, the year before we talked about the likes of Addison Barger being ready to get a taste of AAA at the end of the year for 15, 20 games, whatever it was, then you you take that next step, parlay it to the next year. Well, for Damiano Palmagiani, it's those games last year in August, in September, parlay that into a, a strong offseason where you've you've put yourself on the map and now are ready to to really be an everyday, potentially first baseman for this Bison team. And Ricky Tiedemann, you know, talking to Sam Dykstra, I'll go back to that conversation a little bit. You know, it's, it'll be interesting to see the way the Blue Jays handled Tiedemann this year because they want to limit his innings, you know, still coming off an injury that cost him the majority of last season. Pitched in the fall league, pitched well in the fall league, made one appearance with the Bisons before that, before the season ended, and and pitched very well in that outing. Do you limit his innings as a starter? Does he come out of the bullpen to to start things? Uh, you know, what what role do you see for Ricky Tiedemann in terms of keeping him around a potentially 100 inning or so uh, limit as he's coming off of really a year where he didn't throw as much as you would have liked and are still trying to build him up? So. I think we see Ricky Tiedemann here to start the year. Uh, how long you see Ricky Tiedemann in Buffalo? I think that's the kind of the open question. This is always an exciting time of year when hope literally springs eternal. I know, Pat, you'll be at spring training early March. I get to go as well, uh, March 14th through 20th. I'll be filing some reports from there. I get to see the spring breakout game, which I'm excited about. Lots of these guys participating. And March 29th, Bison's baseball is back. April 5th for the Canadians on the road. April 9th at home. Of course, Bison's.com, VancouverCanadians.com. You can keep up with all of that. And Around the Nest is officially back for 2024. We're going to have a lot of fun this year. Pat, as always, my friend, thanks for your time. Thanks, Tyler. Great to catch up. We'll see you next time on Around the Nest.